He's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative to this guy for wisdom. Well, uh, Kevin McCarthy, it looks like the latest update, from what I can see, he failed to get enough votes uh, for speaker. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to become speaker. It just means he failed in the first vote. And, you know, the historical significance of that is I think the last time it went to a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, maybe up to a seventh ballot was 1923. So, you know, the big talking point from the media is this is the first time in 100 years uh, since, you know, uh, this didn't go uh, in one one vote. I, no big deal. No big deal. I mean, I'm going to get into this a little bit later with Kevin McCarthy and explain my thoughts on this. I do expect McCarthy to uh, be named speaker. There, there, there just simply are no alternatives. And look, you know, I, I am a uh, idealist in terms of what I want for the country and what I want for leadership. But, you know, we've also got to be realistic. And, um, you know, Kevin McCarthy made a lot of concessions. And look, I mean, the the conservative portion of the House has held his feet to the fire. But, you know, look, this is the way it is. We, we, we don't have I mean, we have what, 223 seats, I think it is 222, actually, in the House. Right. So that's our majority. McCarthy needs 218 votes, a majority to be named speaker. And I'll tell you the way this works. They're just going to keep voting. They're just going to keep voting until they get the majority they need. So, you know, this is very, this is not dissimilar to the process for electing a pope, by the way. You know, when, when they come to elect a pope, it's called the conclave, and you have the cardinal of popes. They literally lock themselves, are locked inside a room, and they are not allowed to leave until they vote for the pope. And they just vote and they vote and they vote until they select a pope. And that's essentially what's going on here uh, uh, with McCarthy. But again, more on that later. And I'm sorry, you know, I got a thousand messages and emails coming in. Captain and I were talking about it before the show. It's just, just, you know, it's just unbelievable. We're working even when we're working here, you know. Um, So, you know, I, I don't know. I've got a piece coming out in American Greatness actually this evening. I, 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 I was watching the Cincinnati Bengals and Buffalo Bills game. Uh, Captain, did you get a chance to see what happened on the field? Um, if, if you don't know, I'm sure all of you know, because I mean, even Fox news, uh, they, they stopped their regularly, regularly scheduled programming to cover that story. And, um, I mean, go ahead and pull up that picture. Captain, uh, I mean, you've got photo one there. I mean, look, the, this is these are the teammates, um, and they're all on their knees, and they are praying. They are praying. And I've got a, uh, a very interesting take. I don't think it's an interesting take, actually. I just think it's an accurate take, and it's a positive take. All right, go ahead and pull it down, Captain. So, look. Here's what happened. I mean, you were about nine minutes into the first quarter of this Cincinnati Bengals and Buffalo Bills game. And this was a hyped game. It was the only game on on Monday night. And uh, and these were these. this was a game 
uh, that the media had been talking about for a while. And the Bill's safety, his name is Damar Hamlin. Well, he collapsed onto the turf. And, and, and I mean, look, the, the media decided not to play this clip. I mean, it, you know, I'm, I'm not here. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, they treated this like, you know, it was some kind of, uh, you know, gunshot to the head that they just didn't want to expose the American people to. Um, I would have played the clip and shown the American people what happened. I mean, it, it was not a gruesome hit. There was not a broken leg. There wasn't some bent over thing. I mean, I've seen gruesome hits and you see the aftermath and it's just shocking. You know, uh, someone pulled down by the face mask. And by all looks of this play, it was a rudimentary tackle. And Hamlin stands up from the ground and uh, he takes a few steps back, seems like he's okay, and then he just falls backwards and he does not get up. And they had to come out. They administered CPR to him on the field, which I can't recall ever happening before. And then an ambulance drove onto the field, and and they 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 took him away to the uh, Cincinnati Medical Center. And he's still reported to be in critical critical condition. Last I checked, his condition hadn't changed. Uh, and they suspended the game as as they should have. They they absolutely made the right decision there. And I was watching the coverage of this, and every single pundit, every single sports analyst, every person talking about this situation, uh, and you could feel it, you could get the sense that even TV viewers, in-person attendees, obviously his family, sports announcers, everybody was praying, praying for Hamlin praying for his doctors, praying for his teammates, praying for his family. And it was a moment of absolute unity. There was no politics whatsoever. And every American seemed to make the same decision, which was the obvious right decision. You know, I mean, here's the NFL. You got two teams going head to head. You got two sides. And guess what happens? The game suddenly didn't matter because an American, a 24-year-old young man, was injured on the field in critical condition. And my observation is that, you know, in this moment and in this moment that continues, America has shown itself to be a country of very moral, very good, and very decent people. And when the politicians... And when CNN and when the pundits out there do not interfere, do not politicize, do not hijack narratives and tell the American people what they should think, how they should think, and how they should react, guess what Americans do? The right thing. And we pray. And I got to tell you, it just made me think about the war the Democratic Party has waged on prayer, on Christianity, on Judeo-Christian values on eliminating the Judeo-Christian founding of America, wiping it off the face of the, of the earth and pretending like this isn't a country founded on religious principles. But here you have the entire nation doing what? Not turning to Joe Biden to save Hamlin. Turning to God. Turning to prayer. And I just thought that that tragedy, to me, Captain, you know, it just revealed 
the very best of America. The very best of America. And look, it was a tragic situation. And I, I will continue to pray. And we should all continue to pray for Hamlin. But here were American citizens, all united. They were concerned. They were loving. They were respectful. And they all put the needs of Damar Hamlin, his family, his affected teammates, ahead of the game, ahead of the NFL, ahead of even their own regularly scheduled programming. You know, you know, if you're an anchor or something like that last night, and you're, you're Laura Ingram or whatever show I was watching that was not the Laura Ingram show, you know, you go in there and you do all this preparation for these shows. You know, it's like what I'm doing right now with you. I mean, there's a lot of preparation that goes into these shows. You have a message that you want to convey. You know, you spend all day, you spend your evening combing through the news, trying to pare down what you think needs to be shared. You know, what you have a unique gift and talent or expertise to cover that's going to in some way affect people and inform people. And you're talking about hours, hours of, of, of time put into this. And then to drop that entire agenda that you just spent five or six hours. I mean, this is just a point I think should be made. They, 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 they abandoned all of it. And they focused on what happened there. And another thing that was very interesting, Captain, to me, as I watched these people cover it in real time, they were all very cautious. Very cautious. They wanted to get it right. They didn't want their speculation to be interpreted as fact. They didn't want to get anything wrong. They wanted to make sure that they got the story right, that they didn't say anything that was untrue. And I just thought, if only journalists would cover other stories this way. If only journalists would have treated, for example, uh, you know, the shooting at the gay nightclub in Colorado Springs, Colorado, you know, in November that way. But they didn't wait. They didn't care. They pushed a narrative and they divided America over that issue. They blamed it on Republican LGBTQ plus rhetoric. And then when it came to Kaylor Ellingson, the 18 year old young man who was murdered in North Dakota, he was run over in an SUV by a man who, after running him over, told 911, a 911 operator, that, you know, he thought that Ellingson was a, you know, Republican extremist or belonged to a Republican extremist group. And the media didn't even cover that story. But here was an individual on a national stage. Everyone saw it. And there was no affecting that narrative. There was no massaging it. There was no lying. It was just presented to the American people. And the American people all did what Americans do when they're left alone by these corrupt politicians with agendas. We united and we prayed. And so I just think that's a point that needs to be made. And, um, you know, imagine, imagine, Captain, if the American people, if the American people would approach other political happenings and other things in America with the same objective compassion and rationality and reason and love as they did this situation on the NFL field. You know, we have an open border right now. We have a fentanyl crisis. Um, and I guess my point would be that, 
you know, when it comes to the health and safety of this young man, we do the right thing and unite. We want what's best for him. We pray for him. We want him healed. But when it comes to the health and safety and security of our nation and our children here, why can't we unite over the economy and inflation? You know, over the border, the fentanyl stuff, like I said. I mean, do you, do you know, by the way, that according to the CDC, uh, for the first time in, I think, two decades, the, uh, the life expectancy rate, well, it's the lowest it's been in two decades. Despite all the progress in, in medicine and everything else, it's down. And do you know why it's down? Drug overdoses. Do you know what's mainly responsible for it? Fentanyl overdoses. And do you know where the fentanyl comes from? It comes through Mexico into this country. And do you know where the Mexican cartels get the chemicals to make the fentanyl? They get it from China. And um, if you look at any 12-month period, I want to give you, put something in perspective for you. You know, the war, alleged war, as it's called, between Russia and Ukraine. It's been nearly 12 months since it started. It was, it was, it's hard to believe, but it was in February of last year that Russia first invaded. Gosh, honestly, it feels like it's been going on for 30 years. Forget Afghanistan. This is like the new Afghanistan, the never-ending war that we're not even involved in. It's not even here. It's not even happened to us, but here we are, pouring money and resources and boots on the ground even, despite the lies of the Biden administration. But so that's been going on nearly 12 months, right? It's been in the news everywhere. It's covered every day. And do you know how many Ukrainians have died in a 12-month period from this war? Well, a uh, aide to Zelensky has estimated that it is up to 13,000. Up to 13,000. Now, General Milley who, uh, well, in the old days, uh, he would have faced uh, swift punishment from the founding fathers for treason. We know what the punishment is for that, which he is guilty of, by the way. But uh, General Milley had previously claimed that 100,000 had died in the war between Russia and Ukraine. I mean, this is kind of like Joe Biden saying he created, uh, how many jobs was it? You know, a million jobs and he created 10,000. Just, just a little bit off, right? Not much. Just, I mean, you know, who can blame him, right? I mean, when you're off by 90%, no big deal. It's just, it's just the economy we're talking about and employment numbers. What's the big deal if we created a million jobs or 10,000? We still created jobs. But Millie, he said 100,000. 100, and my point has been from the beginning of this Russia-Ukraine stuff. And, I, you know, I didn't even intend to get into this, honestly. I got more stuff to get into, but here we are. You know, this is the kind of unreliable information that we're getting from our own government, from people who are supposed to be in the know about what's happening over there. I mean, this is General Milley, right? This is not some schmuck. This isn't somebody observing, you know, I, I don't know, their television and, and making up this number. This is somebody who is a high-ranking member in the Biden administration. And... um he said 100,000, but it's 13,000. And the reason I say that 13,000 Ukrainians have died in almost 12 months in the war in Ukraine is because if you take any 12-month period, virtually from 2021 
to today, right? So from January to January, February to February, March to March, you understand. Over 100,000 Americans, people in this country, have died from fentanyl overdoses. 13,000 Ukrainians have died, a tragedy, but 100,000 Americans in any 12-month period have, have died from fentanyl overdoses, and the border's wide open, and it's a politicized issue, but our children are dying. Our children, and that is the vast majority of the people that are dying, by the way. It's children. Um, well, anyhow, all right. So, Captain, go ahead and queue up, um, cut one. I'll get to it in just a second here. You know, I wanted to mention this. I don't know if you heard, Captain, did you hear about how Biden flew the uh, omnibus bill to, uh, St. Croix. I always want to call, call it LaCroix these days after the drink. You know, the beverage, this LaCroix, LaCroix. So we went to St. Croix and um, for, for his, his winter vacation, you know, because he hasn't vacationed enough, you know, just I think 40% of his presidency, um, which let's be honest, he's vacationing even when he's in D.C. You know, the guy only works about three hours a day. If that, you know what I mean, because he's not really in charge. But, um, you know, so Biden flew the omnibus bill, right? That's the big spending package um, that uh, was, you know, $1.7 trillion in government spending. We gave, you know, more billions to Ukraine, for example, in there. It does nothing for America here. Um, and of course, it's only going to contribute to inflation. And it's increasing the debt that your children and your grandchildren will owe to the federal government to pay it off down the road. But... It's just shocking because nothing seems to be a scandal. I mean, we we have more scandals and more outrageous behavior from this Biden administration than any president, well, in my memory. And that goes back pretty far because I'm a pretty smart guy who studies history. And it's pretty shocking to me. I mean, to outdo Obama, even to outdo Clinton, I mean, it's pretty stunning. And so, you know, this bill gets passed. And, you know, it was supposed to be ready on Wednesday. I think I made a note here of what the date was. So, let's see. So the bill was going to be ready, wasn't going to be ready until December 28th, right? But, uh, you know, Joe Biden had to get to his vacation on December 27th. So he couldn't stick around Washington, D.C., one more day to sign the bill in the Oval Office, which is customary to do. Not just for the photo op, but I mean, that is their tradition. But not even, but tradition aside, I mean, just think about the optics of this for a second, which I know the Biden administration does not care about, but politicians in the past used to at least care a little bit about perception. And this administration doesn't care at all because the media carries its water, defends it to the death, makes excuses, justifies everything. But he has this bill flown to him in the Virgin Islands on a plane so he can sign it there while he's on vacation. And of course, Joe Biden stayed at the home of the billionaires. Um, what are their names? 
The Nevilles is their last name. You know what the Nevilles did, by the way? It's so perfect. You know, the Nevilles, they, 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 so it's, it's, it's Bill and Connie Neville. And Bill Neville, he's the founder of this software company that you've probably never heard of called U.S. Viking. And it's a news production software system. And guess who sells it? The Associated Press. So, uh, of course, of course, these guys, you know, are making their billions, uh, you know, from streamlining uh, propaganda for the left-wing media and others. But anyway, that's where their money comes from. But he stayed at their home. And a lot of people are focused on the fact that this is climate hypocrisy, right? Here's somebody who was championing the Green New Deal, who was constantly attacking and assaulting, uh, you know, gas and the gas and oil industry, which is absolutely true. But to me, it's missing the mark because th- this is to be expected from Biden, expected from Democrats. I mean, they are hypocrites. It's just like the same people who were hypocrites when it came to the COVID stuff, because the climate agenda has nothing to do with, you know, saving the planet. You know, it's about controlling you, not the climate. That's the takeaway from it. But here you have Biden, who's constantly telling us that we need to get rid of gas powered vehicles, that we need to switch over to solar and wind energy. Here he is flying a bill to his vacation, well, to the vacation home of a couple billionaires to sign into law. He couldn't stay in Washington, D.C. and even save us the gas. I mean, just think about the optics. You have a president who's saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to go on vacation. You get that bill to my desk and, uh, you know, stick it on a private jet, put it on a charter jet, put it on a government jet, and you just fly that over to me and I'll sign it. I mean, just think about that. He does not care. I mean, this is the Marie Antoinette administration. Let them eat cake. That's who this guy is. That's who this guy is. So anyway. All right. So we got, we got, we got, um, Hutchison, uh, Asa Hutchinson, right? He's soon to be, if not today, I guess, maybe the former governor of Arkansas. And he is the latest, uh, Mike Pence, uh, wannabe. He's the latest rhino, the lady, latest Republican who is going on the left-wing propagandist networks to dump on Trump. So go ahead and play cut one. This is Hutchinson. He's on ABC's This Week, and he is addressing Donald Trump, uh, dumping on him in hopes of gaining favorability, I guess, from Democrats who are going to, what, vote for him? to become president of the United States? What a joke. Go ahead and play cut one. So if Trump does become the Republican nominee again, will you vote for him? Will you support him? Well, I'm going to do everything that we can to make sure there's alternatives that he is not the nominee. And of course, that's uh, all depends upon who else is out there. But I do not believe that Donald Trump should be uh, the next president of the United States. Uh, I think He's had uh, his opportunity there. I think January 6th really disqualifies him for the future. And so we move beyond that, and uh, that's what I'm going to be focused on. So so if if January 6th disqualifies him, um, if you're going to do everything you you can to be sure he's not president again, will you not support him if he is the Republican nominee? Just just a simple question. Will you say, look, I'll, I'll write in another Republican. You don't have to f- support a Democrat. You can write in another Republican. That's what Larry Hogan's done twice. Uh, w- w- will you say, I'm not going to support him no matter what? 
Well, I want to see what the alternatives are, and it's premature, Jonathan, to get into what might happen in 2024. Uh, that issue will come up, but I want to see uh, everything I can do uh, to make sure there is the alternative and that Donald Trump is not the nominee of the party. That's the first thing, and let's figure out how to do that. Okay, so there he is, Asa Hutchinson, telling us that he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that Trump is not the nominee. Now, what is he going to do to make himself more likable? What is he going to do to make himself more attractive? What is he going to do to present himself as an alternative to Trump? Nothing. It's just about attacks. Now, Asa Hutchinson, Mike Pence, they have offered no solutions. They have offered no platform that they stand for. They have offered nothing to the American people to convince us and explain to us why they should, why they should be the president, the Republican nominee in 2024 instead of Trump. They're acting like the Democrats. Well, Trump is bad. And because Trump is bad and I don't like him, that's enough reason to vote for me. Now, Asa Hutchinson's not going to go anywhere. This is a guy whose political career is now over. Um... He has no future in national politics. Nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. And this doesn't sit well with the majority of the voter base, including people who don't even necessarily want Trump, people who even want DeSantis, for example, in 2024. This is this is what Democrats never do. And by the way, where was Asa Hutchinson, right? Where was Asa Hutchinson talking this way about Joe Biden? Where is he attacking Democrat candidates? No, 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 no. He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to risk his neck and put it out there. He doesn't want to get attacked. Instead, he goes on this week, ABC, where they are desperate, desperate for any Republican out there to spread their message that Trump is evil, Trump is disqualified, and and that he just lied on TV. He just lied on TV. That's what's so sick. You know, Asa Hutchinson, I could almost respect him if he went on and made some kind of coherent, fact-based case for himself and against Trump. But instead, he goes on and he talks about January 6th. Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong on January 6th. Not a thing. Not a thing. But here he is helping them fortify this lie, which has already been discredited countless times. So it's unbelievable. And, you know, while Asa Hutchinson's out there, you know, trash talking Trump, you've got Trump who's actually showing the way for the Republican Party. And this isn't this isn't even an an endorsement, if you will, of Trump in 2024. But I'm just saying Donald Trump is actually politically aware enough and actually seemingly wants to be president enough that he's doing the work that these people should be doing if they want to be candidates. He's doing the work that people in the House, House Republicans should be doing. I mean, this is from the Daily Caller. Trump reveals plans for 2023. Um, The campaign is rolling out top level teams in early voting states and expanding its massive data operation to wage an overwhelming campaign that's never been seen before. The former president's spokesperson told the Daily Caller. So this is what needs to be done. We need to prepare for 2024. Trump's been out there attending galas. He's trying to shore up support for himself. 
Uh, I mean, he's gone to uh, he's met with the Republican Jewish Coalition, the America First Policy Institute, the Log Cabin Republicans. That's the Republicans who are gay. And the 14th Annual President's Conference of, of Torah. Uh, I mean, look, this guy has been out there speaking. Uh, he's been speaking about freedom of speech. He's, he's condemned the omnibus. I mean, he's leading the way. And he is setting an agenda for the American people. And by the way, that's what the House needs to be focused on. Because, you know, we can't pass any legislation on our own because we don't have the executive branch. And that's really what these next two years are about. They are campaign years. And it's the Republicans and the House. It's their job, yes, to investigate the Democrats, to carry out those investigations, to try and get a hold of these documents that have been withheld from the American people and to bring truth and light to what the Democrats have been doing for four, five, six, seven plus years to get to the bottom of it. But, you know, really, we're facing just a, a, a war of narratives and reality over the next two years. The Democrats are going to double down. Look, they have the DOJ. There's going to be more investigations, more prosecutions. They're going to go after uh, uh, Republicans like they have before. And they are going to continue to attack Trump in particular because they need to give the media, feed the media stories that they can put out and promote in order to not cover and distract the American people from what uh, the Democrats, what House Republicans dig up and what is revealed about the Democrats. That's what that strategy is going to be. And it's very important in these next two years that the House Republicans, I have an article here, and it's great from what Steve's, from what Scalise is doing. He's revealed the first legislation for the Republican House, and he vows a bold agenda. And there are a series of of policies, a series of bills that he is prepared to put to a vote. Now, of course, they're not going to not going to be victorious because we don't have the Senate. We're not going to pass the legislation, but we have to begin to expose the Democrats. We have to do what we have to put these bills to the floor to a vote and, and, and sully the Democrats ahead of 2024. And there's just a number of bills defunding the IRS restricting releases from the nation's strategic petroleum reserve, all these things that Americans can agree upon, a majority of Americans, they have to put these bills to the floor saying, hey, look, the Democrats just voted against this, all right? That's what we have to do. So I just got an update, all right? An update on McCarthy. It looks like he's on track to lose the second vote, the second vote. I've got to be honest with you, Captain, and to all of you listening, <clears throat> I hope that the holdouts eventually swallow the pill of reality and vote for McCarthy. I know that does not make all of you happy, but think about who is saying that information right now. It's me. I am a staunch conservative. So right now he's lost 11 Republicans. That's the, is that the second vote, Captain? I think that's an improvement. I think that's an improvement. I think he lost 19. I think he lost 19 in the first vote. We'll fact check that in real time here. Captain's on it. Okay, so he's lost 11 Republicans since counting. All right. 
Well, we'll see. But I, I'm just telling you, you know, there's not really an alternative out there. And this is the reality. You know, you've got plenty of people in the Republican Party, the establishment types, and you have to make concessions. And you know what? Um, see if I can find this here in front of me. I mean, I, I, I am hopeful, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, do I wish we had more conservatives in there? Sure. But that's a long-term battle. But, you know, the, the, the thing is the Republicans have gotten, the conservative wing has gotten, um, him to make a lot of concessions, big concessions too. I mean, I'm just kind of searching through my mess here. Welcome to my life. Um, of things, but one of the concessions was that you know, if if at any time while he's speaker, I believe, you know, if if five House Republicans basically agree that that, that they don't want him anymore, they can take that to a vote, right? So I mean, that's a pretty big deal. That that's not a lot of Republicans needed to do that. Now, getting rid of him would would likely not happen, but you know, he's made concessions, and and, and you know. Look, I, he, does he want to remain in power in the future? Yes. So this is still a tryout for him. It's not really going to benefit him in the long term if he doesn't do the things that he's on record promising to do. So I, I just, you know, at some point you just got to be realistic. You got to be realistic. So, I mean, I, I, I think that he will eventually get through, but who knows how many of these voting rounds it's going to, voting rounds it's going to take, honestly. All right, um, you know, go up, go queue up, cut two, Captain. This is uh, Hutchinson again. Um, this is later on in the the you know big interview he did on 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 this week. They just couldn't wait to ask him all these questions so that Asa could pretend to be. Well, he didn't pretend. You know, he's a rhino, but you know, he got to he got to be a Democrat um, on TV. Go ahead and play cut two. Hey, we're really out of time, but you're a former member of the House. I have to ask you, what should they do uh, about uh, Representative-elect Santos, who has lied about his entire background? Uh, should the Ethics Committee consider expelling him? Uh, there has to be accountability for that. That is unacceptable. Uh, you know, it. I, I don't know whether you can go so far as to not seat him, but certainly the Ethics Committee should deal with this. Uh, and he has to be held accountable for that. That's unacceptable in politics. It, it breaches the trust between uh, the electorate uh, and their elected official. Uh, but it's, it's in, and we have to have more integrity in our political environment, in our elected leaders, and this destroys that confidence and undermines the integrity that's needed. Look, the, the, it, it's true that George Santos... Uh, embellished, if you will, lied about his background and some of his experiences. But for Asa Hutchinson to go on TV and sit there and condemn Santos without offering the very obvious points that Democrats all lie, that the current president of the United States has done everything and more than George Santos in terms of lying about his entire background repeatedly throughout his career, this is why Republicans lose. Here's a chance to get at least 15 Democrats who are watching this week because that's about the number of uh, viewers they have. But here's a chance for him to get through to just a couple Democrats out there and to point out the obvious hypocrisy 
of the left. The fact that lying is expected on the left. And you know what, Captain? Well, let let me get into this. So George Santos, here's just a few of the lies, all right? And they, they, they are big lies. He claimed he went to prep school. He went to Horace Mann Preparatory School in the Bronx, but he didn't. So he lied about it. He said he went to college. <clears throat> um, he said he obtained degrees from NYU and Baruch College, which is another New York City-based school. But uh, he didn't graduate from either school, and apparently there was no record of him attending either. So he lied about his educational background. Uh, he made other. He, you know, he claimed he worked at banks. Claimed he ran a charity. Basically, just lied about his resume. I mean, he's made other weird lies too. He says he's Jewish. He says he's Jewish, and his grandparents fled the Holocaust. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's not Jewish. Okay, let's just let me just point it out. All right, the guy's not Jewish. But, uh, you know, I can remember somebody else who lied about their 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 background and and, uh, and history. Um, her name's Elizabeth Warren, and she claimed to be uh, a Native American. And she lied about it so that she could, uh, you know, get some some handouts and a leg up, you know, to go to Harvard and so on and so forth for her law degree and everything else. So, I mean, for Asa Hutchinson to go on there and be this unaware and just this cowardly, and not push back is, is just absurd to me. Go ahead and... All right, so I'm going to play cut three. This is Joe Biden. This is back in... Uh, gosh. I want to say... Is this the, is this the, is the 80s, I think? Yeah, this is the late 80s. So this is Joe Biden. I want you to hear. So he tells a lie here. He's You know, this is one of the smaller lies, actually, given it's Joe Biden. So this is 1988. 1988. Okay. And I want you to hear... All the talk about how rude Donald Trump is today, how mean he is to the media, what a monster he is. I want you to hear Joe Biden in his prime when he could actually formulate a coherent thought. This is him talking to a reporter who asked him about his uh, uh, educational credentials. Go ahead and play cut three. Go. And the other question oh, is, could you quickly, I, I think, we I, I, think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class that have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Well, that's a nice fella, isn't it? I mean, look, you know, I've, I've observed people for a long time. Uh, I happen to be a professional uh, observer of human behavior as an actor for, you know, most of the first half of my life anyway. Um, and this is a man of uh, deep, deep insecurity. And that's a dangerous man because uh, he's easily offended. Uh, he's a hothead. He's not rational. He's mean. He's quick to uh, uh, for retribution. And he doesn't have any restraint. And that's true of most of these politicians and especially Democrats. Insecurity, right? Insecure people who are power hungry and uh, they don't have any morals. They don't have any boundaries. And this guy is so arrogant. Listen to him talk to that person there. So Joe Biden, um, 
you know, claimed uh, there that he graduated in the top half, top half of his class at, at Syracuse College of Law. Um, well, he was 76th in a class of 85. So not only was he not in the top half of his class, he was almost dead last, dead last. And you know what? I would put my own IQ, Joe Biden, up against yours any day of the week, any day of the week. But anyway, so everyone's attacking George Santos. But, you know, Joe Biden, he's he's claimed he was arrested in South Africa, you know, trying to, you know, free Nelson Mandela from prison. You know, Uh, that didn't happen. He claimed his first job was you know, from a local lumber and wood products business, Boise Cascade. Uh, the company said there's no record of Biden's claim. He claimed he visited a synagogue. Um, that was uh, in 2021. He said he visited Pittsburgh's Tree of Life Synagogue where 11 people were murdered. He never went to the synagogue. That was a lie. He's lied also about things during his administration, like the unemployment numbers, right? Like we were just talking about. Uh, he claimed he, he had visited Afghanistan and Iraq twice as president. He never did. I'm surprised he hasn't told us he visited the border at this rate. He says, you know, there's no need to go to the border because, you know, there's more important things to uh, attend to, like his vacation in La Croix. I mean, I'm just kidding. St. Croix. Um, anyway, Naval Academy appointment. Biden claimed in 2022 he was appointed to the Naval Academy in 1965. That never happened. So my point is, here, here's my advice to uh to uh our 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 republican friend here who's caught line george santos if i was his advisor and this is i'm offering this free i don't want any money from this george you don't have to pay me this is just free advice change your party registration to democrat that's it that's it just change your party registration to democrat and none of this will ever be a problem again because democrats don't care if you lie, if you're a Democrat, no problem whatsoever. So anyway, it just, it just, again, it just shocks me that these Republicans go on there and miss these opportunities, you know, and, and this is a game and we need to play to win. And, you know, if Democrats are going to hold themselves to no standard and try and hold us to some standard of truth and morality and so on and so forth, well, I'll tell you what, we will condemn George Santos we will actually demand he resign from office if Joe Biden re- resigns from office first, right? If uh, Elizabeth Warren resigns from office, if all these Democrat hacks who are liars, if they resign from Congress, great. Then I'll come out against George Santos. So anyway, you know, I didn't have time to get to it today. Um, I meant to, and look, um, you know, usually we'd have 10 more minutes here. But unfortunately, because of a scheduling conflict, I have to uh, go on a meeting with uh, Skyhorse, which is a a publisher, and talk to them about some things. Um, I I do want to point out one thing about the Russia-Ukraine thing, and this is a story I'll get into. Captain and I are committed to doing more shows. Um, He's going to love it. It's going to be fantastic. He'll never sleep ever again in his life, uh, nor will I, I suppose. But, um, you know... There's a shocking story, and BlackRock, right, which you know has uh, assets valued, you know, trillions of dollars. They're going into Ukraine and making sweetheart deals, making sweetheart deals. So you've actually got BlackRock 
uh, who is going to Ukraine and saying that they're going to help them rebuild. Rebuild. Here it is. BlackRock plots to buy Ukraine, and it's written by Bradley Devlin in The American Conservative. So Zelensky, uh, he's been meeting with BlackRock Chief Executive Officer Larry Fink, and they struck a deal to coordinate investment efforts to rebuild the war-torn nation. So let me explain what this is. The fourth branch of the government, BlackRock, all those billions of dollars that we've been pouring into Ukraine, guess where that money's going? It's going to BlackRock. And we have to ask ourselves, what are BlackRock's interests in Ukraine? You know, Zelensky, by the way, is also meeting with the World Economic Forum. He's becoming buddy-buddy with the, uh, the Marxists over there. So it's very clear that Zelensky is a pawn of the WEF and people that do not have the best interest of America at heart. We'll get into that more soon, but that's a big story. Uh, I hope you all missed me as much as I missed you. Um, This is Drew Allen, the Millennial Minister of Truth. And as we say, God bless you. And until next time. He's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've I've become a big fan of your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Allen. I look to this guy for wisdom.